in your Bibles tonight, 2 Samuel chapter number 23, and we'll begin our reading in verse number 8. As you know, I like to read God's Word. You study the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament, and you find when God's people met, the Bible was read, and I don't want to get away from that. And this is one of those passages of Scripture where you kind of, as the preacher, want to skip it. Uh, there's lots of names to be pronounced, and uh, in my case, mispronounced. But I really love to read God's Word corporately. And we'll read this passage of Scripture. I'll read it. You follow along. And we just want to honor God's Word. When we read the Bible, we read God's Word. And we can't take that lightly. We know that God's Word is perfect and we can trust it and we need to emphasize it in our lives. If you'll follow along with me, we'll read a number of verses together, beginning in verse number 8 of 2 Samuel 23. Often this text is referred to as the listing of David's mighty men. And some fascinating little stories in here. Some things I hope will be a help to you tonight as we read and preach God's Word together tonight. 2 Samuel verse, chapter 23, beginning in verse number 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar the son of Dodo the Ohite. And one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Dulam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Repham. And David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is, in, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless... He would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief among three. And he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them and had the name among three. Was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain. Howbeit he attained not unto the first three. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabziel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. 
And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among three mighty men. He was more honorable than the thirty, but he attained not to the first three, and David set him over his guard. Asahel, the brother of Joab, was one of the thirty. Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem. Shammah, the Herodite. Alika, the Herodite. Helez, the Paltite. Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Techite. Abiazar, the Analphite. Mabunai, the Hushathite. Zalman, the Ahohite. Mahirai, the Netophite. Heleb, the son of Benaiah, the Netophite. Atiah, the son of Rabiah, out of Gibeah of the children of Benjamin. Benaiah, the Pirithonite. Hadiah, of the brooks of Gaash. Abialbon, the Arbathite. Asmaveth, the Barhuthmite. Elihabah, the Shalabanite of the sons of Jason. This is my favorite one, Jonathan. Hallelujah. <laughs> you can say that again, preacher. Jonathan. 33, verse 33. Shammah, the Herite, Ahiam, the son of Sharahar, Ahirite. <laughs> Eliphalet. That's a fun one to say. The son of Ahasbi, the son of Maacathite, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite, Hezriah, the Carmelite, Paariah, the Arbite, Egal, the son of Nathan, of Zobah, Bani, the Gadite, Zelech, the Ammonite, Nahirai, the Barathite, armor bearer to Joab, the son of Zeruai, Ira and Ithrite, Gareb and Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, 30 and 7 in all. The end of chapter number 23. And uh, this is a fascinating passage of scripture for me, and, but I will confess as a preacher, this is a hard passage of scripture to preach. And if y'all want to come up with a message for this passage of scripture, uh, have at it. But uh, the truth is, I'm excited about sharing this passage of scripture. And as I've studied this text and thought actually for several weeks now about David's mighty men, my mind goes to how God puts value on individuals. Now, when we read the Bible, we see the influence of David, King David. In the Old Testament, his name is mentioned literally thousands of times. In the New Testament, David is mentioned many, many times. David's influence in the Bible as a ruler, a leader, a king, and even a failure and a forgiven saint of God is ripe, and we see it often. But God, over and over again in the Scripture, emphasizes the individual and the folks that may not be out on the forefront and in the, uh, and in the first thoughts and the famous folk of God's work, but God emphasizes folks that are in the backgrounds that are working, that have faith and courage and loyalty, that long to give glory to God and live for the glory of God and the power of God. 
And when we look at these folks, we should all be reminded that God has a place of service for all of us. You see, it's one of the great banes of becoming someone that has popularity in the Christian world. It can be a burden to bear. And it can be something that actually becomes a fault and a failure when we become interested and more interested in glory of ourselves and notoriety of our name than the glory of God and the notoriety of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord wants us all to know that it is so important that individually and personally we serve and do our part and live for the glory of God. I want you to know something, that the work you do for God and His glory does not go unnoticed by God, who is the most important person to notice you. And if you get to a place in your Christian life where you get aggravated and upset because you're not being noticed for the work that you're doing, let me tell you something, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You just remember that God notices and God cares and God's got a good record-keeping system and we should serve God for His glory, not our own anyway. But when we come to this passage of Scripture, I'm encouraged by these lists. I'm encouraged that God cares. I'm encouraged that in the life and ministry of David, that God led David. And David was interested and willing to pin in God's inerrant and fallible word the fact that there were groups of people that were at his back doing his work, making a difference, conquering the work and doing the work that God had set in David's heart to do. I'm thankful for these lists. I was thinking as I was preparing this about different places I've been through the years. I remember visiting uh, a number of years ago the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall in Washington, D.C. How many of you have ever seen it before? Isn't that inciting? I love it. And I love to be there and watch. It's really an emotional thought to me. Uh, I'm thankful for folks who have served our country and uh, kept us free. That's not a small thing. But I've seen and I love the list. And I like to read the names. It's uh, emotional to see the names because each of those names has a story. Each of those names are folks who played a part and had an important role. And I'm so thankful that somebody had enough forethought and, uh, and uh, guts to propose and plan and build something that acknowledges this list of names like at the veterans, Vietnam Veterans Memorial. I love to watch people with paper and crayon as they take and they get the name as it's written on the wall. It's sweet. It's sweet. And I remember knowing as I went there, knowing names of people from right here in our community. As a, as a teenager, I went there and I intentionally looked up the names of people that I knew and I was encouraged to see their name. And we think about a list like David's Mighty Men. And I, I have a, a mindset of this Vietnam Veterans Memorial. I went years ago to the Oklahoma City Bombing Memorial. And you go into a room and all the pictures of the faces of the people who were tragically murdered on that day are there. And I've spent time in New York City where the trade towers were attacked by terrorists. And I see those names and those lists. And I'm reminded that God is a God who loves the whole world. But God is so able and specific and perfect that he knows you individually. And he lists you. And I'm thankful also to be reminded of the greatest list that's ever been compiled. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, your name is written down in eternity. It's your home and your hope and your future. I'm thankful... That God's a God that keeps perfect lists. And you're not forgotten. He's good. He's so good. 
I'm thinking about this list and I'm thinking about these folks and their families and I'm thinking about the work that they did for the glory of God. I'm reminded of the work of a church like ours. You see, a work of a church like ours is not the product of one or two people. I'm thankful Pastor Chuck's here tonight and he's led our church faithfully for many years. To God be the glory. Thank you, preacher. But he'd be the first to admit that the work of the Charlie Baptist Church is the byproduct of a whole list of people that most would find nameless. And God does the work. And I continue in that spirit because I'm thankful that God's given the opportunity to lead. But I praise his name that I have the opportunity to lead a group of people who are more concerned about obeying God and doing God's will and God's way and doing God's work than they are having their name exalted to a place of authority or prominence or a position that matters the more than serving God. It's sweet. God's work is designed to be done with a multitude of God's faithful people. That's fascinating. I love it. Mother Teresa said something pretty interesting. I think this is the first time I've ever quoted Mother Teresa. But the quote's excellent. She said that people do no big things for God. They only do small things with big hearts for God. And it's so important we remember that. Look, God can do the work that he's given us to do better than we can. Make no mistake about it. We're talking about God who in seven days spoke into existence everything that is. God can preach this message better than me. There ain't no doubt about it. But for some reason, God has chosen to let me preach it. And God can raise your children better than you can raise your children. But God has chosen you to tap into the resources that he's provided so that you can raise your children to the glory of God. You ought to serve him. God can do our work better than we can do our work, but God has given us the privilege to serve him. And may we humbly serve him. May we serve him faithfully. May we serve him together. May we see what God can do. Oh, it's sweet. I think about this list of people. Most of folks we don't know, and most of folks we can't even pronounce their name, except for Jonathan. But God used them for his glory. I'm thankful for that. This is something I've rarely ever talked about publicly, but I think about the great victory the Lord gave our church last year. Uh, we had this great project that was absolutely necessary to add on to our auditorium and make it bigger so we could host more people and reach more people. And Five years ago, we owed a million dollars. And uh, last year, at the end of four years of trying... The Lord gave us the great privilege of paying off that debt. Isn't that sweet? You know something that I think is really sweet? There were zero great big gifts given. It was the byproduct of a lot of faithful people doing what God put in their hearts to do. Now, look, if God puts it in your heart to give a big gift, you do that. That'll be just fine. But God used faithful people to do a, a conquer a big task and lots of faithful people. I rejoice in that. And as we look at David's mighty men, we praise the Lord 
for his list. We praise the Lord for their loyalty. And there's a few details here that I want you to see as we look at this text together. And some things I hope will be encouragement to you. And some things I hope will be interesting to you. But we'll take just a few minutes and work through a few of these. The points to this message are quite interesting. Point number one is the first three. Point number two is the second three. Point number three is two special mentions. And point number four, this is very original, is the rest. And uh, the rest. But I want to start, number one, with the first three. The first three. Now, there's going to be several times as we look at this passage of Scripture that the Lord mentions that the others weren't as great as the first three. And these first three, they stood out among the crowd. And God gives us some details about the first three. The first one is a man that will have that has a long title. His name is Adino, Adino. But the Bible says, verse 8, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And we see this, this guy, the first man listed in the first three is this man named Adino. Now, it's interesting to think, how in the world does one man slay 800? I don't know how God did it, but I know God did it. I'm reminded that God can and will and desires to do miraculous things through his people. Uh, As you read commentaries on little verses like this, there's different ideas. Uh, You know, you remember stories from our Old Testament studies where there were moments where God would actually uh, turn the people against themselves. You remember those moments in in 1 Samuel and and even into 2 Samuel when the Philistines are God's great enemies and and God would, would, uh, uh, would turn them against each other, the war that comes to mind is one of my favorites, discombobulate. He discombobulates the enemies and they end up fighting each other and killing themselves. And in this story, we have this man, the first of the first three, Adino, who lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Here's something that I'm reminded and encouraged by, by this man named Adino. I'll just tell you, if we're honest, everything we face in life is way bigger than us. The task that God has put before us as a church is bigger than us. The work that God has given you to do as a parent is bigger than you. The future and the problems that you're trying to muddle through and work through and get victory over, they're all bigger than you. But I want to remind you of something. If you'll have the spirit of an Adino and you'll face 800 with what God's given you, a spear in your hand, and you'll trust God in His glory, and you'll trust God to do the work that is miraculous, that is necessary in order to have victory, you can trust the Lord. I'll tell what I think happened to Adino. I think Adino came to a spot where he was going to have to stand and face a multitude of enemy soldiers, 800 of them. And Adino had the spirit in his heart. He said, I don't know how we're going to conquer that. But with God and my best effort, we're going to see God do something that only God can do. And the next thing you know, somehow miraculously, I don't know if they ran off of a cliff all at the same time, if they began to kill each other, if for some way God multiplied his spear to 800, God can do it any way he wants to but I can remind you of something that if you're willing to face your enemies with the spirit of God the blessing of God the power of God and obey God you're going to see God do things that are amazing you know what Christian people want to do 
They look and see how daunting the task is before them. And they lose their faith in God. They begin to sin and cheat and try to get around or get away from doing what God's called them to do. Instead of facing the great trial before them with the Spirit of God, the blessing of God, and watch God do miraculous things. How many times have we missed out on God's blessing because we were unwilling to trust God to do what only God can do? We're never going to have the victory. You're thinking about your future. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what's ahead. Let me tell you something. Whatever you do, don't stop looking to Jesus. Don't stop doing it God's way. Don't stop trusting the Lord. Don't turn to your flesh and your own ambitions and your own wisdom and say no to God because when you do, you're going to miss out on God's bless and best and God's blessing. This man, Adino, he said, I don't know how I'm going to conquer 800 with one spear, but God, here we go. And the Lord mentions him in the first three. The Bible continues, verse 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. How would you like to have a dad named Dodo? At any rate, Eleazar, the son of Dodo. The only thing worse would be if you called him Dodo. But uh, anyway, Eleazar, the son of Dodo. The Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. So this man stood in a moment when the Philistines had gathered and all the other men of Israel had gone away. The Bible says in verse 10, He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave into the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. This guy, Eleazar, he fought a fight for the glory of God. Now, he did something that we need to be reminded of. There are times as we fight the good fight of faith that we're going to find ourselves tired. We're going to find ourselves worn out, exhausted. If you think serving Jesus is all honey and no bees, you got the wrong idea. There are seasons of life that are difficult and we need to embrace the difficulty and fight for the glory of God. This man, he fought when he was weary. He fought and, and claved to his sword until his hand was stuck. Not terribly long ago, I spent a long time, me and a hammer in my hand. And the first time I ever experienced this, I experienced it. I spent a long time hammering. And the next thing you know, when I went to set the hammer down, I went to set the hammer down, and the hammer wouldn't set down. How many of you have ever done that before? I literally had to take my hand, my other hand, and pry my hand off of the hammer. It would not open of its own accord. Now, something like that happened, but far greater to this man, Eleazar, and he was a man that was willing to go the distance, trust the Lord, be uncomfortable if necessary to do the work of the Lord. May God help us to have that spirit, a spirit of one of David's mighty men. The Bible continues in verse number 11. After him was Shammah, the son of A.G., the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. Now, this is an Israeli bean field. 
Okay, you can imagine that. The, the people of God, God's people, had planted a crop of beans. There was a troop of Philistines. That word troop literally means a group of people that were going to, uh, they, were, they were soldiers, no doubt, but a group of Philistines that were going to gather together and they were going to harvest for themselves and harvest for God's enemy this bean field. Some people say it was peas and beans, they are all about the same. Most kids don't like them. Uh, but they were having a bean, they were in a bean field. And so this guy in his heart, he said, you know what? I'm not going to let the enemies of God possess God's possession and possess God's place and possess God's land. And this man stood against a host, a troop of Philistines and protected a bean field. Here's what the Bible says in verse 12. But he, all the other folks fled, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Oh, I think that's an important person for us to look at in a moment in which we are living in this moment. Folks, God's people and all people, if they got any sense at all, will stand with Israel. And this one man stood on God's land in God's place and faced a whole troop of Philistines and the Bible says God wrought a great victory. If you want to be on the losing side, you choose any side that's not sponsored by Jehovah God. And if you want to see God win the victory, you choose God, God's people every time and you'll find out what God said in the book of Genesis. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. It will come to pass. Don't forget it. This man the third of the first three, Shammah, he was wise. He said, it may just be a pile of beans, but it's God's beans, and I'm going to defend God's beans if that's what God's given me to do. And you may think the work that God's given you to do is just beans. <laughs> Insignificant. Let me tell you something. If God's entrusted you with it, it is the greatest treasure and the greatest privilege you've ever seen, you could ever imagine. There are no small, insignificant unpurposeful jobs in the work of God. We do small things, but we should do small things with a big heart for the glory of God. Old Shammah, the third of the first three, shows us a few things about trusting the Lord. That's point number one. Point number two, we're going to be here all night. I'm just kidding. Point number two, the second three. Let's look at the second three. Look at the Bible says in verse 13. The second three are quite interesting because the second three, we don't have their names. But God does tell us a little story about the second three. And the Bible says in verse 13, three of the 30 uh, chief went down and came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was in and hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which was in, which is by the gate. Have you ever had a moment where you thought, man, if I could just have a little taste of home, that'd be great, wouldn't it? I, I remember thinking that many times when I was in college. Oh, man, just a little taste of home would be fantastic. And David, I don't know if it was under his breath. It was with an exclamation point. You can see it in the text there. But David really is just thinking about, man, I'm here in this cave of Doolin. The Philistines are in Bethlehem, and they're guarding that, uh, that home well that I love so much that's fresh and sweet. And he thought to him, he said to himself, oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well. And these three guys, they love their king, and they love serving their king. And they thought, if our king wants a drink of water from the well that's at Bethlehem, let's go do it. The only problem was the Philistine troops were encamped around 
this well of water. The Bible says, here's what they did. The three mighty men, verse 16, break through the host of Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. Now, the first thought when I see this is like, my goodness, David, have you lost your mind? Them boys risked their lives to serve you and serve God by serving you, to bring you a drink of water from the well at Bethlehem. And here you are, you've poured it out. You've got to read the rest of the sentence. He poured it out to the Lord, and here's what the Bible says about it, verse 17. He said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. You know what David did? David took the offering that they gave. These men, by serving their king, had served their God. And David, when he possessed that water that he yearned for, he poured it out to the Lord. He poured it out before the Lord. And he gave to God and gave glory to God for the great hearts of those folks and those men. I love that little tiny story. I love to see three guys nameless who God has put in their heart a willingness to follow the leader, a willingness to serve valiantly for the glory of God, and they do it. And a leader who says, you know what? All the glory belongs to Jesus. All the promise belongs to God. All the hope we have is in Him and Him alone. And the combination of these three men who loyally serve David and a David who's willing to loyally serve God at this moment in his life, is the produce, it actually produces great victory in the work of the Lord. Now, God help us have that kind of spirit. The second three. That point was shorter than the first point. Let's go to the third point. Two special mentions. The Bible says in verse number 18. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief among three. And he lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them and had the name among three. Was he not most honorable of three? Therefore, he was their captain. Howbeit, he attained not unto the first three. Now, Abishai, he wasn't quite as good as the first three, the Bible says. But he had a name among three. And Abishai, the Lord says that God used him. He lifted up his spear and slew 300. And God blessed him. He was quite the man. God blessed Abishai. Look at verse 20. Benaiah. Benaiah. I remember as a teenager, Fred Conley preached a message on Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. And uh, I loved it. It was great. I don't remember much about it. but uh, <laughs> I remember being impressed by this little story. But listen to this. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man. I like that little phrase. I wonder, can your children say that they are the son or the daughter of a valiant man? May God help us to take serious the character of a father, the character of a mother, the character of a grandfather, the character of a grandmother. I love that God in his holy word was able to say of Benaiah's dad that that was a valiant man. Hallelujah. And you know what the produced a, what a valiant man produced? He produced a valiant man. If you find yourself the son of a valiant man, and you're willing to squander away his faith and his courage. May God convict you of your sin. And may God cause you to be motivated in your heart to also be a man of great valor. But Naya, 
the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabziel, who had done many acts. Oh, Benaiah, man, he did all kinds of things that we just can't even begin to tell you all about them. The Bible says, particularly, he slew two lion-like men in Moab. I can't wait to get to heaven and see what those two lion-like men look like. But I'll tell you, Benaiah faced them and slew them, and God gave him victory over the Moabite men, the lion-like Moabite men. And then the Bible says this, he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. Let me tell you something about Benaiah. Benaiah had the worst possible circumstances. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine Benaiah's day? Benaiah has to face a lion. How many of you think that's really exciting? He has to face a lion. There's only one thing worse than facing a lion is it's facing a lion in a pit. And there's only thing worse than facing a lion in a pit. It's facing a lion in a pit on a snowy day. But God gave him the victory. And you may be in a situation today where you think, my, lions, it can't get any worse. It might, probably could. As bad as it gets, God's good. God's faithful. And old Benaiah, you know what he did? God used it in a mighty way. It continues, verse 21. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. The word goodly means he was a big guy. A goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. I like this because I can see the action. The Egyptian, a big man, he, the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. You see it? The Bible says, but he went down to him with a staff. Benaiah goes and faces a big Egyptian man with a staff. The big Egyptian man has a spear. He has a staff, and the Bible says that he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. Verse 22, these things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among three mighty men. He was more honorable than the thirty, but he attained not to the first three. And David set him over his guard. Two special mentions, and finally, the rest. We're not going to spend time because the truth is we don't know a lot about the rest of this group until we get to the very end of the list. And I think we must mention the very end of the list the Lord puts on David's heart to mention all these faithful servants, all these faithful people, all these mighty men. And the very end of the list, David pins one that probably broke his heart more than any other on the list. Look what David writes in verses 38 and 39. The list is going on. He says, Ira and Ithrite, Garib and Ithrite, Uriah. The high tide, 30 and 7 in all. Look who God prompted David to write down. The man that David had murdered because of his sin with Bathsheba. When I read this, I think that one, it had to prompt David to the severity and the consequence of his sin and broke his heart that he'd done something so terrible. Because he wrote the name Uriah the Hittite. There's no doubt that God by his Holy Spirit also comforted the heart of David. That God was a God who was faithful and just to forgive sin. A God, that God was a God who was able to use and willing to use broken and defiled things. Let me remind you of something. If you ever get to the place that you think that you're too far gone to serve God, you're dead wrong. You know why? 
because you're not dead. If you'll repent of your sin and turn to the Lord Jesus, with our regard to the wickedness and the depravity of your sinful past, I want you to understand something. God can use the days that are ahead for his glory. And if you've lived... 60 years for your flesh and yourself and God gave you two more days. Let me encourage you. You should live the last two for the glory of God. And David had a Uriah the high type moment. No doubt about it. But David, when he writes Uriah the high type, his heart is broken because of his past sin. But as he writes Uriah the Hittite, he's reminded that God was faithful to forgive him. When he repented, God was faithful to forgive him. God was willing to continue to use him. And God blessed and honored a man like Uriah. Folks, David's mighty men tell us a story that God wants us to be people of faith, courage, loyalty, to live for the glory of God, who are trusting in the power and blessing of God. And to remind us, as long as there's breath in your lungs, there's an opportunity to serve God. If you're here and you've ran from the Lord, you should repent of your sin and turn to Him. And let God be glorified in the days and the years that you have. Oh, it's so sweet to be part of the family of God. He invites you. He wants you. God is continually calling for a group of mighty men and women, boys and girls. And I wonder if you might yearn in your heart just to be one of them. You'll be glad you did. Let's stand together and we'll pray. Have our invitation time. And I wonder if you might just ask the Lord to help you. We have an altar here where we pray and you're welcome to come and pray. Lord, help me to be that kind of Christian. In your seats where you are, you make sure as God's spoken to your heart and convicted you of sin and motivated you to serve him, you make sure that you take this time at the end of the message to do business in your heart with God. He's faithful. You should be faithful too. Father bless.